0: This is the Equip Podcast from Cornerstone Church of Ames, a podcast designed to help you live a gospel-fueled and faithful life wherever Jesus has called you. Welcome again to the Equip Podcast from Cornerstone Church. My name is Mark Vance, and I'm here on the Equip Podcast again with the goal of helping you to live a life that is faithful to what God has called you to do, where we root our lives and our hearts in the commands and the words of Scripture so that we can live a life that pleases Christ. You know, another way to state the purpose of the Equip podcast is to say this podcast exists to develop discernment, to develop the skill and the wisdom of sorting truth from error so that uh, we are able to help one another live faithfully. We have to have a filter in life to understand what is true and what isn't. So when we think about living faithfully as God's called us, we move toward things that are true. So today, I actually want to apply that idea, the idea that we need discernment to one of the pressing questions that I get often as a pastor in a polarized age, which is, How do I know what's true when I listen to the news, when I watch the news, when I see something on CNN or I go on Fox News? How can I trust the news of the day that it's right or wrong? Well, another way to phrase that question is, how can I cultivate the sort of discernment, the sort of wisdom that I need to sort truth from error? And so, to help you think about that today, I'm going to give you six biblical passages And six practical principles when it comes to figuring out what's truth from error, especially when it comes from the news that you read. And so six key passages from the Bible, then six key principles for you today. The first passage really is a prayer that the Apostle Paul speaks over the church at Philippi, Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. Paul says, it's my prayer that you love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ Jesus, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. That's one of the prayers that I pray as a pastor for our church often, and it really is central to the prayer that I pray when I record this podcast. I'm praying that this would help you to have an abounding love so that you would be filled with knowledge and all discernment. And I want you to connect the dot there. In order to have discernment, to know truth from error, there actually is a role that knowledge plays. You have to grow your capacity to see and understand the world. And so, discernment is connected to understanding and knowledge. In order to have discernment about what is truth from error, you do have to do some work to cultivate your mind, to change your thinking. So, that ultimately results in, in Philippians 1, The approval of things that are excellent, not things that are useless. So Philippians 1, that's kind of a foundational prayer that I have as I go about doing this podcast. Here's another key passage on discernment, James chapter 1, verse 5. James chapter 1, verse 5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. So, the principle from this second passage of scripture is that prayer is a factor in developing wisdom. If you lack wisdom, ask God for it. Pray for it. I think that's a great way to cultivate wisdom in your life. If you're uncertain, God, is this true or is this false? Don't just rush into it. Assume one way or another. Instead, pause and say, God, would you shape my mind and my heart to discern what is true? and what is false. So, prayer plays a piece in cultivating wisdom. Third passage, Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. It says, everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish between good and evil. In this passage, it's a focus on maturity in the faith. And what it says is actually people who are immature are like children. They need milk, not solid food. They don't have the teeth of maturity to chew through the solid food that would be given to them. They're unskilled in the word of righteousness. But how is it that you move past milk into solid food? It says they're mature, you become mature. You develop powers of discernment. How? By constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So, the principle in this third passage of Scripture is that discernment takes time. It takes work to cultivate. The first day you become a Christian, you are a baby Christian in Christ. You shouldn't expect that you will understand everything about the world around you through a new set of lenses in Christ. That takes time. In other words, you can't microwave discernment. You have to mature it. It takes time and practice. Don't be discouraged if you're confused on an issue or on a question, but it's very important here to have the humility to admit, I may not understand everything. I actually may need to grow my maturity in Christ and my discernment by constant practice. Don't let your guard down. Just keep growing. Fourth passage on discernment kind of follows right along with that principle. It's Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Verses one and two, Romans 12, one and two. appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. What does it take to have discernment? It takes a mind that is renewed that is conformed not to the world around. The picture of confirmation here is a picture of being pressed into a mold, like you're squeezed into the mold of the world. Instead, the command here is to renew the way you see things, to let God's word and God's ways shape your mind so that you discern what is God's desire what is his will. But notice it takes testing. It takes renewal. It takes constant transformation. That's not an instant process. It's a, it's a cultivation. That's why I use the word in the, this podcast title, cultivating discernment. It's because discernment is, le- is not just like a seed you plant in the ground and it springs up immediately. Instead, you have to, over time, water and cultivate and work to develop it. By testing, you develop discernment, by renewing your mind over time fifth passage here, James chapter three. So I'm going to go back to the book of James and in James chapter three, James talks about what discernment and wisdom looks like that has been cultivated, the fruit of wisdom. In other words, <clears throat> here we go. James chapter three, verses 13 and through 18. Who is wise and understanding among you by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. I just want to point that out, the gentleness of wisdom. Wisdom not only has to do with content, it has to do with character. True wisdom that's from above produces a gentleness in your heart. Let's keep going. Verse 14, so if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, don't boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it's earthly, unspiritual, demonic For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceful, gentle, open to reason. I want you to remember that word, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace." The wisdom that comes from above, the sort of discernment that God cultivates, isn't just knowing truth from error. It's a transformation of your heart. You become a tender person, gentle. I've met a lot of Christians who are convinced they are right, but who are absolutely close minded to another idea. They are not open to reason. In other words, that's not the wisdom that God cultivates. Because the wisdom that God cultivates isn't simply knowing what's true, it's being humble about it. It's being gentle with it. Final passage of scripture. I want to take you to this today as you're listening to this is 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, last passage that we're going to look at regarding what the Bible says in how we cultivate discernment, how we grow the skill of testing good from evil. 1 John chapter 4, 1. It says, Beloved... Do not believe every quote-unquote spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God, for many false prophets have gone into the world. John warns people, simply because a person claims to be a Christian and comes and speaks from you from God doesn't mean that the word they bring is true. Instead, what's the command he gives? You have to test them. You have to try it. You're not simply to just take in any piece of information with the name of Jesus attached to it and assume that it's good. Instead, you have to put it to the test. In other words, I don't want to call this suspicion because suspicion is a cynicism. It's a cynical way of seeing the world that everything around you, you really can't believe it. What I, what I want to say is no, we, discernment isn't cynicism. It is realism. It's a reality reality that in the world around us, we won't just encounter everything that's true. Instead, we have to test. We have to put it to the test. That's a command of scripture. Okay, so let's apply that. Let's apply those six biblical principles of cultivating wisdom to the actual problem in front of us, which is how do I know what I can trust in the news that I hear on TV or I read online or that comes to me in my phone? I'm going to give you six principles that I follow and that especially in 2020, when we've had to sort through news about COVID or news about politics, news about the economy, news about what's happening locally, how is it that you can be helped to cultivate discernment in those areas? Well, here's the first Uh, kind of principle I'll give you. First is, consider the bias of the source that you're reading, that you're watching, that you're listening to. Consider the bias of the source. Okay, so it's very important to realize, let's take CNN. Okay, folks, CNN clearly comes from a much more culturally and politically liberal bent. And if you read the New York Times, it's going to come from a similar bent there many major news organizations do. On the other hand, you you listen to Fox News, you shouldn't go, well, CNN, those people are all completely biased, but Fox News people aren't. No, the The point is, everyone brings a background, a perspective, and a bias to the material that they are speaking about. We Since we can't totally turn those things off, the best thing we can do is just acknowledge them honestly. So, I don't get really mad when I read the New York Times and they sound pretty liberal politically because that's who they are. And one of the things that I can do is I can also recognize that I have a bias that I bring to something when I read the news. I know the political and philosophical and Christian convictions that I come from. I bring those to the table too. And so it's helpful to me to actually read things sometimes that are very different than me. I just don't read them And get frustrated. I read them and think, well, they're coming from this perspective. I have this perspective, and that can work. So consider the source, consider the source, and consider the bias that it brings to the subject matter. That's a good principle. Just recognize it. Don't get frustrated by it, just understand it. Second principle when it comes to discerning the news, consider the style in which the news comes to you. Here's what I mean consider the source, not just the organization but what way you're taking it in. Cable TV is a very different way to interact with the news than to read a newspaper. CNN.com, Fox.com, MSNBC.com. All of those, those are those online news sources, they're very different from reading a print newspaper. Okay, why? Because in one, cable TV or the online source the thing that drives that that vehicle is money that they make by views or clicks due to advertising. So that just means they have to be in the moment, absolutely like present. So they're going to, breaking news right now, this is happening. This is going on. Can you believe this? They have to get people to watch. Now, newspapers need subscriptions, but the the reason they can they go a little slower is they have editorial boards they have to fact check the things that they're presenting and so as such they tend to be a little less dramatic and so I want you to give me a really practical example um, let's consider the Wall Street Journal in comparison to Fox News so Wall Street Journal and Fox News by the way are both owned by the same uh, background it's a Rupert Murdoch corporation and So Wall Street Journal and Fox generally come from, let's call it a more conservative political and uh, ideological leaning. But Fox News and Wall Street Journal, if you read them or if you watch the news programs or the commentaries, they sound very different. Well, why? Because one is a print news organization. It's a little more tame. Fox News, the big drivers of how they make revenue is cable TV news commentary, not news reporting. There's a difference between the news desk and the opinion desk of Fox. Laura Ingraham is a commentator, an opinion writer. That's very different from the people you might have watched on election night, who were generally the news department. So, Here's the thing that I, the reason, look, I'll reveal my kind of old soul right now. The reason newspapers are helpful is because at the top of when the newspaper is reporting an opinion, it says opinion section or editorial, but then it has a news section. Sometimes when you're watching cable TV, you're watching a news channel, it's really hard to sort through, am I watching news reporting or am I watching opinion? All right, and that's the third, the third thing. So I want you to consider the source and just know every source has bias. I want you to consider the style, cable TV versus a newspaper. And honestly, I would advocate for, try to choose something that is a little more news reporting, like a newspaper than a cable TV. It's just a little less emotionally inflammatory. It's a little easier to process. Okay, here's the third thing. Uh, consider the content of what you're reading, and in particular, I want you to ask this question Is this an opinion or a commentary, or is this reporting or news? So, I just went and scrolled through CNN.com this morning. It, on one of their things, it said, Breaking news, Anderson Cooper comments on. Now, here's a question Is that news? No. That's what one of the people employed by CNN thinks about the news. So that's not news reporting. That's commentary, okay? Commentary is very different from news reporting. News reporting is trying to give you the facts of what happened. A commentary is trying to give you the meaning or interpretation of those facts, okay? So I saw this one on another uh, news source this week. Breaking news. Trump shut down by Twitter. How will they shut you off next? is that news? Well, no, because they haven't shut me off. You, you know? Like Twitter made a choice to shut down Donald Trump. I have thoughts about whether that is right or wrong. But that news headline made it seem as if there was an imminent plan to shut down all other people. Well, I that hasn't happened. So that's a commentary. I'm not saying it's right or it's wrong. What I'm saying is it's different than news. So consider the content. Is this an opinion or a commentary piece or is this information and breaking news? All right, this has been really helpful to me, this fourth one. This is a great principle for you to sort through the news. Find a theologically solid Christian cultural commentary. Okay, I'm gonna give you the two that have been most helpful to me. The two that have been most helpful to me have been Al Mohler's podcast, The Briefing, and uh, articles by Joe Carter on the Gospel Coalition. So let me explain some background on both of those. So Al Mohler's podcast, um, Al Mohler is the president of the Southern Baptist Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, and he does cultural commentary daily on a podcast he calls The Briefing. It's a little more politically charged than what I get into normally, but whenever I have an issue, if it's a Supreme Court ruling or an election result, his podcast and the website that's connected to it have just given me really solid, theologically conservative Christian thoughts. Joe Carter is a writer who writes on the Gospel Coalition, and he'll do things like nine things Christians should know about COVID-19 restrictions in California. And so, it basically kind of dumps the information from the news into a place where I can trust his theological background. Now, The reason that I give you those two, and I say this very carefully, find a theologically solid Christian cultural commentary is because this, there's a lot of Christian cultural commentary that comes from a theological background that I would want to warn you against. Let me give you the most popular example. I I experienced this growing up. Growing up, the most popular Christian program was called the 700 Club. I don't even know if that's still out there right now, actually. But the 700 Club comes from a radically charismatic stance, and their perspective on end times prophecy borders on what I would call newspaper exegesis, where they are constantly reading the newspaper to try to fit it into the framework of biblical prophecy. And that's a very different theologically, theological and practical stance than would typically be taken by the elders at Cornerstone. That's an example that not all people who report the news and say, "I'm hey, I'm Christian, I'm coming from this, I'm going to call you to pray— that's great. Like We are going to be with those people in heaven. That doesn't necessarily mean that I agree with their interpretation here on earth. So, I would exhort you, look for theologically solid Christian cultural commentary. Frankly, between Al Mohler's podcast and what Joe Carter writes on Gospel Coalition, I haven't needed a ton more than that to help me sort it through. So, go to Gospel Coalition. Go to Desiring God. I think that really— really happens uh, well in those sources, and I think you can trust that. Okay, fifth principle, consider multiple counselors. There is wisdom in a multitude of counselors. That operates on two levels. The first principle is this. If you're confused, don't just listen to one side of the story or one source. If you see something that seems so radical it's terrifying to you on CNN.com, Well, don't instantly assume that that's the whole story. That could just be a radical commentary. Look on some more politically conservative side. Okay, so don't just listen to one side, but here's actually where the multiple counselors principle comes in mind. Have a fact check process in place in your mind. And here's what I do. I actually have a live in-person fact check process with two people that I love and trust, who I know love and trust me, and love and trust the Bible. So I go to Troy Nesbitt and Alex Tuckness. Troy and Alex are very different men, but I respect both of them so much. And so if I have a question, or I'm not sure what to think of it, I'll ask Troy, and then I'll ask Alex, by having the two sides, multiple counselors who aren't just a photocopy of one another, that's really helpful because I think our tendency is actually to amass counselors around us who tell us what we want, who who basically see the world the same way we see the world. In that case, the multiple of counselors aren't actually helping you to gain discernment. They're being an echo chamber to reinforce what you already think. So, you need two people you love and trust who love and trust you and love and trust Jesus who are different from each other. So, think the Troy and Alex principle and multiple counselors. And I think multiple counselors and fact-checking, there are some online sources there that can be really helpful to you as well. Let me give you one that I've used with current events and news. It's called The Dispatch, Um, The Dispatch, and it is run by a conservative He was a former lawyer for the Alliance Defending Freedom, a convictional and convinced Christian. His name's David French. So the dispatch, he's put out by David French. He has a team of conservative writers. Again, this is politically conservative, but they fact-checked both sides of the aisle on political statements. And frankly, in election results, if you're looking for um, information about what are restrictions happening here, they are very fair and they call balls and strikes very well on both sides of the aisle. That's been really helpful to me, and I've used that fairly often. Final principle here is consider the state of your heart. When it comes to sorting through the news, James 3, remember what it said, the wisdom that comes from above produces is pure, it's peaceable, it's open to wisdom. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Here's the question I have for you. Based on the news that you're taking in, is it producing the fruit of the Spirit or anxiety, obsession, and fear? In other words, for some of us, in considering our heart, one of the best things that we could do in developing discernment is actually to limit the amount of time we give to trying to find what's happening out in the world. So, for me, that's meant this year, I really stopped getting on Twitter or any source like that entirely. I cut out Facebook almost completely, and I made a resolution I would never click on a link or a video inside of a Facebook post, unless I had a friend explicitly tell me to. You you know what that did? It turned down the volume on the news. It helped me not to become obsessed and worried and anxious. So let's just review overall. Six biblical passages and six principles to consider to help you figure out what can I trust? The biblical passages, I'm just going to re- tell you again, Philippians 1, 9 and 10, James 1, 5, Hebrews 5, 13 and 14, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, James 3, 13 to 18, 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, and then the six principles. When it comes to sorting through the news of the day, consider the source and know that all sources have bias. Second principle, consider the style. I'd tell you, uh, generally, newspaper style is going to be more helpful than cable TV, online news. Don't click on stuff from Facebook, all right? Third principle, consider the content of what you're reading. Are they expressing an opinion or reporting facts? Fourth, Find a theologically solid Christian cultural commentary. I gave you Al Mohler's podcast, Joe Carter on the Gospel Coalition, or just the Gospel Coalition in general. Those are better and more trusted than the 700 Club or Kenneth Copeland Ministries. Fifth, consider multiple counselors. That means don't just listen to one side of the story. Instead, get a couple people you know who love you but who see differently and listen to them. And then finally, consider your own heart. Are you just taking in too much? Is this producing anxiety, worry, anger, or is this producing love, joy, peace, trust in your heart and in your life? Cultivate discernment, find wisdom. It's so valuable. And in pursuing that, you can pursue a life that will help you to be faithful in Christ. I'm praying that you would find wisdom and understanding in Him today.